Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Big hour on the way. We're going to talk to Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame inductee, Brian Ludwig, of course, local and UNLV guy and massive homer dude with the Cardinals and now working with the Cardinals. Again, he's going into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame in June, so he's coming up in the middle of the hour. It's Cofield. It's Willie Ramirez. It's a Wednesday. I want to hit some baseball later on, too, because uh, we got to get to the age result. Eh, on the field, does it really matter? Uh, how do they do in the stands? We'll get that number for you. It was ugly again today. Big Five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. But before any of that, the real important stuff. Did you see the latest class for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? The inductees are going to be Dolly Parton. What? Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, Eurythmics. Duran Duran was actually the uh, biggest vote getter. Pat Benatar, Carly Simon, and Eminem. All going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you have a problem with anyone? And let's you know shape this. Frankly, it's not just the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a music hall of fame. It is. And when I went to Cleveland back in 2014, I didn't realize that. And I, I, I went there um, on, on the last day that I was there. So, you know, I, I was leaving like late afternoon, early evening. So I went there in the morning. And I didn't know that. At the time, I had no clue. I just figured rock and roll. I, I was never really into rock. I mean, when I DJed, I played rock music. I do some classic rock. You know, Doug, some Doobie Brothers, maybe back in the Rush, Kiss. But. I just figured it was rock and roll. Yeah. Went in. There's a rap section. I saw Run DMC. There's, you know, there's different sections in there. So the appreciation of music. So I started asking the lady. I'm looking around and I'm seeing some incredible entertainers and songwriters and people that are still active. Maybe somebody that saved somebody's career. Frank Sinatra. I looked up on the list. So I don't have a problem with this list. Wait, I got a problem. Are you, are you saying Uncle Paul should be considered? Uh, he should have. He should have been one of the. And when they opened it up, it expanded to past rock and roll. Are you kidding yeah. me? So Paul Anka should get in. Another Vegas Do legend. Do you think? He yes, should be of in? course yeah. he should. Yes, as a music contributor. Yeah, of course. Both you know with his voice and his writing. Another you know Vegas connected legend. Dionne Warwick was up. She should be in. Dionne Russo right? pulled strings. Yeah. You love. We love the Dionne Warwick. <laughs> Johnny well, Russo they didn't stories. want a horse's head in their bed. <laughs> we love those. And I'll, I'll give you the other one. When I saw the voting was going on. Uh, you know, a couple of days ago, and possibilities who could make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I think Rage Against the Machine should be in. Mm-hmm. I think they will be at some point. Tribe Quad Quest is, I, is a little bit of a shock to me. Yeah. Now, just, just I mean, well, everyone can't get in on one ballot. Red, so. No, not that, no, not that they didn't get in. Yeah. That, that they were considered. Like I wouldn't have. Thought, oh, really? I wouldn't have thought them just yet. I mean, they did contribute to a, somewhat of a segue part of of hip hop. Um, from like that fun hip hop breakdance era, just before um, gangster rap came up, Tribe Called Quest, they 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 certainly contributed with their own. But I just wouldn't have thought that. But that's cool that they that they're on that list. Devo, Let It Whip, Fame, um, not in, no, not yet. But the class is pretty star studded. I'm sure the the show will be awesome. And of course, I had you know big thumbs up for Duran Duran. That's definitely my era. 
number four. Aces media day the other day with the season on tap. Las Vegas Aces, our WNBA team, Friday and Sunday games. Friday on the road, Sunday here. What were some of the biggest things you got out of media day? Everybody is excited that Becky Hammond is the coach. Okay. And that's not... You, a, and I'll, I'll point out, Willie, I think, was the only guy I heard on local radio, and you can, I guess you can make your jokes about women's basketball if you want, but uh, Willie was the only guy who came in right after the Aces fell short again last year, and you're like, that's enough. And you, you didn't like what Bill Lambeer had to say after the season. You're like, the, the excuses, man, all he does is point fingers. It was, the, it was the press conference literally after the game. You called for this. You're like, that's enough. Yeah. Um, he, he, he Somebody asked him a question. He said, the Phoenix Mercury play with the, the, the heart and desire that, that a championship team needs, and this team didn't show show that. And I want to say it was uh, one of the local reporters that asked um, with Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, and Asia Wilson sitting there, and their faces were in shock. Mm-hmm. And I brought it up to Kelsey the other day. And I will have to say that, you know, for they're still relatively young in their careers. That's why this team is going to be so great. They are very polished professionals. They were nothing but gracious. They would not, they took the high road. I, I left the door open for them. They did not slam Bill in any way, shape, or form. They talked more about what they learned from him mm-hmm. and what they took from them. But now where Becky's going to take it to the next level. And I, and if the one person, that really had could have is Kelsey Plum because since they've arrived, everybody has seen it that he basically just verbally and ha- mentally in our eyes, in our eyes, just tormented the all-time greatest scorer in college basketball history. Last year, put her on the bench, and she was the sixth woman of the year. Different role, different system. You saw what they did. Well, I don't know if you saw, but anyway, look at the box score. The three-point attempts in their exhibition up in Minnesota, they felt it just in that game. It was a loss, but they felt the system and how it felt better to them. And I think that's where we're going to thrive. And I'm putting this out there because I feel Becky Hammond knows, obviously, who Kelsey Plum was. When they were in San Antonio, that's where Kelsey was drafted when, when they were still the San Antonio franchise, you know, they had worked out. They really didn't get together and do a lot of hardcore. I asked her about it. and But they had talked and sort of advised. Now, with Becky and the appreciation of what Kelsey can do, and Asia, sort of, Asia Wilson sort of, everybody knows where they're going to be centering on trying to stop the passing lanes. They're going to be centering on trying to slow the ball getting inside to Asia. And Asia's still going to be able to do because Asia can step out, spot up. But in this now becoming a shoot, Shooter's mentality game with this team and pumping threes. Kelsey Plum is going to have a career year, and she could challenge and find her name being mentioned among the MVP candidates. Number three. It looks like they're working on a TV deal, a lot more TV exposure locally, right? They announced a TV team. Who's on the Aces TV announced team? Krista Blunk, who uh, Mountain West and Pac-12 Listeners should be um, familiar with. She comes in town and does the Mountain West Tournament every year for the for the ladies. She does Pac-12 softball. She's done Pac-12 uh, women's basketball. 
Very, very, and, and just a great person. And, of course, Carolyn Peck. You don't know Carolyn Peck. I mean, ESPN wins basketball. So, I mean, you talk about a star-studded lineup. The two, the, the two, Phoenix got a great one, too, uh, duo. So, Phoenix in, in Vegas, they got Cindy Brunson um, doing doing the, the Mercury games. You got Chris out here doing the play-by-play. So, I'm excited. It's going to be on MyLVTV. They got some national broadcast set up. So, um, it's going to be a great season. It really is. Number two. So I thought yesterday with the uh, the exit media dealio with the Golden Knights yep. that Pete DeBoer came off okay. I, I defended him. I think it's a ridiculous spot to put him in. If he really doesn't know if he's back, why the hell is he speaking to the media? I saw several media people who were like, the GM Kelly McCrimmon, it was a little off-putting, wasn't it? What was going on? Well, he came in, first of all, he came in so defensive he just came in very deliberate, very, you know, usually when he comes up on the Zoom, uh, you know, through the pandemic or when he, or when he met with the media, it, it wasn't so angry and, and, and it was almost like he came in with an agenda. And you know that the rooms are bugged, like the media, the media room out the Raiders, you know, it's bugged in, in a sense where like there's a camera already set up and, and so, so it's wired. So he's probably watching the entire exit interview process as they're bringing, you know, 10 other players here. in. and Stop. Yeah, Really? There's no doubt in my mind. You think you're like watching in the back like it's double-sided glass, the interrogation room? He's up in his office watching everything, what we're asking, oh, wow. what they're saying. There's no doubt in my mind that Kelly McCrimmon was watching what was taking place. Absolutely. Oh, he wow. wants to hear okay. and know. All right. Interesting. So, um, so, 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 a lot of the questions in terms of what was going, you know, because and the other thing was he, he'd say, "Well, I know that Mark Stone told you that he was going to be looking into a procedure. I know that this one told you." Oh, this. He, he, so he's basically quoting him. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, what right. did somebody drop notes and bring you minutes? <laughs> You're watching. Yeah. Come on. But neither here nor there. Um, what do you think of this tweet from Sinbin? Kelly uh, Kelly McCrimmon's press conference was set to end, and he offered to keep taking questions. No one had anymore, so he interjected, saying, "Quote." Happy to talk about the dysfunction. Then when asked about it, he said, quote, we don't have a harmony or chemistry issue. They said it was very odd. It was because the thing is, is he it, it, the way he said. So um, Nate Ewell in charge of, uh, you know, um, communications. He's like, any, any more questions for Kelly? And nobody said anything. Kelly goes, I'm happy to stay and talk about the dysfunction. Now, he said it like that. But nobody, it the tone did not trigger snarkiness, or we didn't think that immediately because it didn't come across like that. So there were a couple other questions. He stayed for about two, three minutes, and um, and at some point somebody brought it up. The problem is the way he's saying it, and him saying we don't have harmony or chemistry. He was being facetious. The problem is, is he's saying he's like, well, it's being painted the picture, and Dan said, you're making it sound like the media is saying that your own. Player is saying that the chemistry has been lost. Max Pacioretty, after a game with Ashley Vice on the, the the post game, said, "We have to get back to playing where we had chemistry years ago." Right. We didn't say it. You said your player said it. Why are you coming in here and being snarky with us? Or if you're being facetious, take it out on Max or zip it. What do you think when uh, Daniel Negreanu said a couple of days ago, uh, poker player and you know massive? VGK fan said uh, that McCrimmon is, quote, the root cause of everything toxic. Unfair? Too much? Fan speaking? 
I, well, no, because Danny Negreanu is 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 dialed in, and he know. I mean, you know, this is a high profile person who knows a lot of people within the organization, and he knows a lot of the media members. And the bottom line is this: Kelly McCrimmon and George McFree, McPhee are they micromanage? I said it earlier. They don't want certain things being said. They don't. They want things run a certain way from public relations to the coaching staff, to how things are addressed, so on and so forth. That lends to toxicity. If you are a control freak and you you know, you know, can't allow your – it's like a, like a head coach, not allowing your coordinators to do what you're going to do. So the root cause of toxicity within the lack of chemistry has to come from somewhere. It didn't come from Peter DeBoer. Pete just comes out and coaches. Gerard Glant comes out and coaches. There's, there, there, you have to start at the top. And you know what? If it do, if, if if you have to keep going further, well, then you have to start up at Bill Foley. Playoffs in three, cup in six. There's been a lot of demands put on George McPhee. There have been a lot of demands put on Kelly McCrimmon. And there's a lot of demands put on the coach, which means there's a lot of demands. But it all starts at the top. Let's not forget Bill Foley. He's an Army guy, right? West Point. This is a guy. They want things done. He spent a lot of money. So salary cap issue, yes. A lot of demands. Fans, hey, hey, fans, by the way, you've turned on them real quickly. So you're putting just as many demands on them by turn coding, cheering in the first period, booing in the second period. Still cheering for Flurry while Robin Leonard's out there. That's not fair. You're adding to toxicity as well. So it's a well-rounded level of toxicity that needs to be cleaned up this summer. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Let's start there. I mean, what would you do with this team to have it be more profitable, make more money, compete more? It would be to pick it up and move it somewhere else. Fly ball deep center. Back on it, Senzo. Running track wall. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. There you go, the uh, son of the owner of the Reds back on April 22nd. Basically telling Reds fans asking for a better team, more money spent on the team, be more competitive. Where are you going to go? <laughs> yeah, they're not going to games, and you're 3-20. and 20. So, update on that game today, Reds. And the Brew Crews, you heard a home run there from Milwaukee TV with uh, Willie Adamas. 2-2 in the second between Cincy and Milwaukee as Cincy's trying to get a win here and not move to 3-21. and 3-21! and 21. By the way, the betting numbers on this, mm. holy crap. I mean, Milwaukee's a pretty good team, but 280-290 in game, look- what, 25 of the year? For I'm, the Brewers, kind of crazy. I am looking across the board at my line sheet. Yeah. There's a line as high as 390, ranging anywhere from $3 as high as 390. Are you talking right now in play? I don't know if this is in play. I'm just looking at a. No, nah, it was like, not, it, was, uh, it was 280, 300 before the game. I'm just looking across the board. I've been, I don't, it's, they don't update the lines yeah. on this one, so I don't know. I'm looking at our friend Dave Koken's uh, page. I've been trying to bet against the Reds. Pretty much every day. And we talked to Dave on Monday, and Dave and I were both laughing because 
the books really hadn't adjusted, and most of the Reds games, the opposition was like minus one seventy, minus one eighty, or less. Straight it was, or a run line? Oh, straight. I did. Uh, I played. I got in late. Was that yesterday? I don't know. I don't think I got in yesterday. I think I played one run line. I don't play run lines, so what it just it gets to a number that's a certain size, and I won't play it. But if it's affordable, I'm playing it. What about first? Ha- uh, first. I don't uh, do first. Five. First fives. No. Not that I'm. I'm not against it. I just. I don't know. I really haven't looked into it. I like the topsy turviness of the bullpens. Of course you do. <laughs> no, it's just traditionally you you uh, and this is not a smart way to handicap. You handicap off of the starting pitchers, but right. really most starting pitchers can't go or won't be allowed yeah. to go more than six. So not it's pretty antiquated yeah. way to look at the game. So the international slate is set. Yeah, I thought they're going to hold off a couple more days on this, but it, uh, it comes out. International slate is set for the NFL. Uh, three games in uh, London, uh, England, and uh, Germany game, Mexico City game. The matchups are Vikings, Saints, mm-hmm. Giants, Packers, Broncos, Jaguars, Seahawks, Bucks, Niners, Cardinals. On the surface, like all pretty solid games. I would say the Niners and Cardinals could be the the best game there. I saw one person comment. Like, we got good games for an international. This can't be real. We actually, some of the games, I mean, if you just go on the win total, I mean, it's later in the season, but Packers over-unders 11 wins. Giants is seven. Yeah. My guess is that game will be, you know, at least a touchdown spread. Uh, Viking Saints is an okay game. I think Vikes have a little more upside than the Saints. I don't trust Dennis Allen. I'm not sure that Jameis Winston's going to make it through the season healthy. You know, Vikings are a nine-win total team. Saints are seven and a half. The Broncos, Jaguars, frankly, is a mismatch. If you believe the Broncos are much improved, they're 10 wins. That's their projection. Jaguars are only six and a half. Seahawks, I think the Seahawks are going to stink against the Buccaneers. So, solid games. You know, name name teams, even the teams that have lower win totals. It's the Giants, the Saints, the Seahawks. And then, yeah, the Niners and Cardinals in Mexico City should be a good one. Isn't it a default move to send the Jaguars out of there? Because there's like that. The well, they're there. They get a game there every year now. The London Jaguars. Yeah. They'll eventually be a. Yeah. And now they have even more flexibility, the NFL, because they're doing the you know back and forth every year with the nine home games, eight road games, and vice versa. Well, it's good for Trevor Lawrence to kind of get a lay of the land for when he moves there. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. I think they'd rather expand to London, but who the hell knows? Who knows where the Jaguars will be in three years financially? they got to start winning. they got to do something, something. I mean, this is pathetic. Good thing or bad thing that the Raiders are not playing internationally? Uh, I, I mean... I would think that it's a good thing for this year because it's the first year with the new regime. You know, you you don't want to get caught up in that, you know, in, in an awkward maybe travel. The last time they did it, if I'm not mistaken, the last time they traveled, remember, it was like a weird, like they hadn't, they didn't play home for like a total of eight weeks, but it included a bye or something like right, that or right. whatever it was. It was some weird, long, elongated road trip and it and it kept them away from home. So I think it's probably better. Um, so this way they can, you know, just stay focused and not and not sort of get distracted in having a some crazy travel week or 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 setup where they're they're playing on a Thursday and then they're traveling and then they play on the next week and then they come back home. Um, no, I think it I think it's better suited for this team, um, especially with what they brought in, what they're trying to do. Um, if I'm correct, the only games. That could have been candidates for the Raiders to play in would have been the Saints or the Jaguars. 
because they're already slated to play on the road against the Saints and the Jaguars. My thinking is, hey, if the game is in London, does that mean like the home field disappears for the Saints and the Jaguars? I don't, I guess, you know, it's funny. I think the Jaguars might be it's kind of a wash, isn't it? And I wonder how in, in Europe, and uh, how many Raiders fans are and how many would travel to Europe? Like, would you have an advantage? New Orleans is still going to have a good crowd. Even though New Orleans might not be very good this year, they're still going to have a really good home crowd. So I don't... Yeah, I mean, I guess that would have been the game, right? If they had played, if they could have played the Saints I don't know on the road that. internationally. I don't know how they do that. I mean... What do you mean? Well, uh, how are you figuring that those are the two games? I don't know how they... Because well, they, were, they were home teams already for... They were slated as the home teams to play in the international spots. Oh, I and see. And the okay. only... The opponents for the Raiders are the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers, Jaguars, okay, okay. Rams, Saints, Steelers, Titans, Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those, I, are, I the, those are the two spots. I would imagine they would have. Yeah, they. I well, it could have been the Jaguar game since the, it looks like they filled the slot with an AFC West. They filled it with the Broncos. Okay, so that might have been the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, would you rather go road tripping to New Orleans, Jacksonville, or London? This year, I'd rather stay if I was with if I was the Raiders. I'd rather stay here. I meant as a fan. Oh, well, come on. I mean, I'd rather go to. I've never been. Jack sucks, but at least it's sort of cheap to get to. No, I've never been to New Orleans. I hate Florida. All due respect, I just don't like humidity. It has nothing to do with. I don't want to slam anybody, but I just don't like humidity. Um, New Orleans, <laughs> I've never been to, and New Orleans will be fun outside of the country. I've been to Canada be and Jamaica. Canada and Jamaica. Those are the two places. Okay, well, I guess someday they could play a game in Canada. Jamaica seems like a long shot for an NFL game. Never know. They come to Vegas now on a regular basis. We didn't think that 25 years ago. Barriers are being broken. I remember. The Jamaica game could be right around the corner. All I remember is that I had a good time. Other than that, you know, my mind's a little foggy from that trip. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. The O one. Ripped into the gap in right center. And two runs will score. And a big day for Nolan Arenado. That makes it a 7-0 lead. And Nolan himself is brought in five. You're listening to Cofield and Company. Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, that was a butt whooping today. St. Louis, 10-0. Cardinals TV there, Arenado, five ribs, seven homers, 23 RBI. Royals are just not in the same class right now as the Cardinals. They're trying, but they've lost three or four uh, in those matchups. Let's talk to a former Cardinal, former Rebel, Vegas guy. He's going to be a Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer. Ryan Ludwig is up with Willie Ramirez and Steve Cofield. How are you, sir? Willie, Steve, what's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me on. What's happening, Ryan? I, you know what? Before we get into this, I got to ask you, because when I heard that you were coming on today, I had to do the research and I had to figure out if you were in this this specific game. And I think that you were. I was sitting on the copy desk at the beginning, near the beginning of my journalism career, and I was actually stringing for the Review Journal when we got a call that Ryan Tack had 16 RBI in a game against Clark, and at, and we looked it up, and it happened to be the national record. Were you in that game? Do you remember yeah. that game? Yeah, during high school, yeah. yeah. 
Those are those are yeah. that that was the Wait, what happened? Ryan, so so Durango obliterated. He was, a, he was a legend, by the way. In Little League, he was a monster. He was like six foot two, through like I, I swore he threw hundred miles per hour and <laughs> dropped tanks. This and, and we get we, we get a call. We're all sitting there. There's a stringer, prep editor was. I think it was Steve Irvin at the time. And we get a call, and, and the stringers are you know it's like hey, got a high school call. All right, stringer, and then we take the call. I took the call. So whoever it was, I don't know if it was Gogo that called me, Coach Mike Gomez at the time. They said, "Yeah, um, Ryan Tack had 16 RBI in this game." I was like, "What?" So we, I take the information, we put it, I grab, I look it up because there's no, I think the internet may have been somewhat, you know, but we start looking it up, contact the NIA. Turns out it was a national record. It's been broken since, or or. or Maybe it was a Nevada record because I think the original record established was like 17 in 1948. So maybe it was a a um, a Nevada record. I just know that it was it. We had to do a breakout story on it for the newspaper, and I'll just never forget that because I. It, and so the second that I heard you were on, I was like, I wonder if he played with Ryan Tack when he had 16 RBI because it's just it's one of those nights where it stands out. It's like nobody gets 16 RBI. So yeah, you get that. You get that in the league right now. That's like a million dollar bonus. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, well, let's talk about what you're doing. You know, we had, we had John a couple of years ago. We caught up, but, you know, for the audience that didn't, didn't hear a lot of those details, uh, what have you been doing post-career? And I know right now you're serving as a uh, special advisor, right? Yeah, I'm doing special advising for the Cardinals. So we got a guy on the offensive side, a guy on the uh, pitching side. I do the offensive side. Uh, John Lose, likes the president of the organization. And, yeah, I just pretty much go around all our minor league affiliates and uh, evaluate our hitters and um, obviously evaluate them on the defensive side and report back to the boss and, and try to keep this organization heading the, the direction we've been for the last, I don't know, 30 years or so. Just a, a winning organization. That's kind of what we do, and we're proud of it, and, and I'm proud of it, and I'm, I'm really enjoying what I do. Who was the kid they uh, they just brought up? How do you say his last name? Is it Juan Yepes? Juan Yepes? Yepes, yeah. yeah. So, uh I mean, I know he's got a lot of upside. He's a thick kid. So who is he? He well, so for me, he's uh, he's an extremely dangerous bat. Um, we got him from the Braves uh, back in the day in a trade when he was really young, and um, all he's done is get better from the offensive side and and defensively. You can put him at first. You can put him at third. You can put him at last. Um, you know, that's I would say that's a strong suit, but. Um, he can play in a lot of different locations on the field. He's a great teammate. Um, he's a weapon at the plate. and uh, It's one of those guys that, you know, I feel like St. Louis does a lot, and they do it with myself. They bring guys up, and they plug them in, and, and uh, they're successful, and they help the organization win. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just it's one of those organizations that, from a hitting standpoint, like we heard Arenado coming back and, and Goldschmidt's from outside the organization, but it, it seems like the organization is always um, – uh, they can always come up with good, solid outfielders who are power guys and pretty good defenders. They do, they do, and and um, I, I think it's uh, between them and the Yankees. I think they're the. I don't know the exact stat, but I think they're the only two organizations that have had ball clubs that have finished over five hundred fifteen seasons in a row twice, mm. and. Uh, we're still on that streak, and I think uh, I would take a guess we'll be over 500 again this year. I'd be really surprised if we don't make the playoffs in some way, shape, or, or form. But yeah, we got a nice little ball club over there. Offense looks really good. You know, we've had some some arms hurt early on. You know, Flaherty's a big a big guy, a big hole for us. You know, he's a monster on the bump. But we'll get him back. Alex Reyes will get him back hopefully eventually soon. And 
Uh, hopefully we'll back off to the races. Yeah, and you got Wainwright basically pitching forever. I mean, what a career resurgence here these last couple of years. It's unbelievable. Him and Yachty, I mean, playing with those guys, uh, you know, I played with them from 2007 to 2010, and, and I mean, both just, I mean, great teammates. Uh, Yachty's obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. And, you know, Wainwright's Wayne, on that list, too, not first ballot, but, you know, he might get in, and he's had a strong career, and he's a bulldog on the mound, and you know, like I said, he's as good of a teammate as you could find. Did you think that Pujols could ever come back to the organization after, you know, the fans got pretty miffed at him when he went to the Angels? Uh, you know, I, to be honest, I had a couple fans come up to me in spring training and they were asking him. I was like, I, to be honest, I don't, I, yeah, I don't see him coming back, but um, I'm really glad he did. I mean, you think about, you think about a, a story. I mean, I think I think obviously everybody knows he's going to the Hall of Fame, and I think he's wearing a Cardinal jersey. I mean, the fans embraced him, and uh, you know, for me, I, I got to play with some really good players between him and Alex Rodriguez. It's the best two players I've ever played with. Right? Yeah. Uh, when we keep, you know, we're concentrating on the Cardinals because you're working with them. But um, Ryan had a long career. He played with the Rangers, the Indians, the the Cardinals, the Padres, uh, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. You know, one. A uh, name that maybe some people forget about, but in terms you just talked about, you know, just pure talent. Um, I hope his story is told down the road. But Rick Ankiel, when you think about it, is one of the more amazing guys. In, I mean, it really is in baseball history. Yeah, he's one of my best friends. We okay, good. Went up, uh, yeah, we went. We went. We went on vac- family vacation with fly fishing this uh, past off season. Great guy. Um, he's doing a really good job on TV right now, and, and uh, it's just it's unbelievable. I'd say the one thing that, uh, about Ink that was my best memory is it, it wasn't so much him coming back with the bat, but we were in Colorado, and um, he was playing center field, and he had two balls hit in the left center gap, and the left center gap in Colorado is not, it's not short by any means. Obviously, it's a high altitude, and I think that gap probably plays at the at the pinpoint of that gap. It probably plays about four fifteen, and he picked up two balls on that warning track and fired two bullets in the air to third base and threw two guys out. And it was like, yeah. is this is this like real? Like, and and and, and playing catch with him, like he would be like, "Letty, squat down," and he'd start throwing his hammer. And I don't yeah. know if you guys know. Back in the day, Rick was known for the best left-handed curveball in all of baseball. Yeah. And it's weird because when he was on flat ground, he would pinpoint everything he threw. And obviously everyone knows what he went with, what he dealt with, and what he went through as far as getting the hips. And uh, being able to come back as a hitter and a position player is pretty, pretty special, man. Talking to Ryan Ludwig, former Durango High School standout, UNLV, Major League Ball player, special advisor to the Cardinals. So, Ryan, i got to ask you um, – you know, last time I was in St. Louis, because you talked about the foundation of this organization, and last time I was there, this name may be familiar to you, I went to Kansas City and I was uh, hanging out with Calvin Valvo, former Cimarron coach. We watched the Royals knock off the Angels in the in the playoffs. We drove up. We watched the Dodgers and the, uh, and the Cardinals in their playoff series. But walking around before that in Ballpark Village, Brad Thompson, former pitcher at Cimarron, he was doing his radio show. The vibe around there, what that town has built, when they built Ballpark Village, how you've seen, you mentioned the foundation. Of course, there's talks about bringing a Major League Baseball team to Las Vegas, your hometown, where you're about to be inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. The vibe that is that emits 
from around there in Ballpark Village before games. Can you see that in your hometown here? One hundred percent. I mean, I mean, you think about the Golden Knights um, and the Raiders, and and obviously, if you would have asked me this question twelve years ago, I would have said no chance because I, no one ever thought a professional team with all the gambling and casinos would would work. But obviously, it is working, and and. You look at the attendance in Oakland right now, the Coliseum, which, in my opinion, I don't want to talk down on it, but yeah. it's, it's one of the worst stadiums in all of baseball. Um, I don't know if they're going to play, put a place in San Jose. I know Charlotte has the ability to expand on that stadium and make that a big league field. But for me, uh, being a Vegas guy, I don't see a better spot or a better fit for for the Oakland A's in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, and, and those two guys you were just talking about, I still talk to Tomper all the time. He's another guy doing a really good job on the radio and TV and, and St. Louis. And obviously his coach at Cinderon was – he did a pretty good job over there with those guys. Oh, yeah. I remember when uh, when Valvo coached uh, Mike Esposito, and I was at Mike Esposito's yep. house waiting for the call. And uh, it didn't come quick enough for them, but then eventually he made his way through the Rockies organization. I remember watching him down in San Diego at that club tournament that you guys would go to in March. And he went up against Blaylock, and James Nepa uh, gave him a uh, gave him a sign. Espo shook him off. Nepa was a little pissed. He threw the fastball, and Blaylock took him deep. <laughs> <laughs> Another former teammate of mine, good old Hank. But yeah, Hank Hank had some walk too. But yeah, Espo Espo had an electric arm, man. I think about him and Mike Nini and Taylor Myers, and I think about the Chad Hermansons, the Kevin Everwines, teammates of mine like Kenny Sarna. Um, you know, Alan Webb, Nick Aiello, uh, you know, and then you got guys like Joey Gallo and, and you got obviously Bryce Harper, who's the, the superhero and you got Chris Bryant and then you go old school, like Marty Barrett, you go Maddox brothers. And, and I think about that city and we always talk about it when I run across scouts, um, doing what I do now, we always talk about the Vegas Valley and, and the talent that comes out of that, that Valley, as far as baseball wise, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. I don't know if, Vegas realizes how deep uh, the, the talent as far as baseball is in that valley, but it's a very experienced and a very talented place. The voice of Ryan Ludwig is going into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. The induction's on June 17th. If you uh, want to get involved, just get up on the web. You can grab your tickets. It's going to be at the uh, Dollar Loan Center in Henderson again, June 17th. Uh, he's going in with the likes of uh, Gondo from UNLV and Amy Purdy and DeMarco Murray, so really cool class that you're part of there. Have you been paying attention at all with uh, what's going on with uh, the Rebels? They're 30-16. and 16. They're in first place in the Mountain West. I know this weekend they're playing at LV Ballpark, so UNLV Baseball on the rise again. Well, 100%. I actually talked to Stan today, head coach over there. Um, keep in touch with him quite a bit. I think he's doing an amazing job. He's a great human being. Um, wish him all the best. And um, It's one of those deals where, you know, you, you hope a guy like him, a guy that's got you know great character and 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 just a great human being, can get that thing rolling over there. Because you know, I, I think the hardest part about recruiting in Vegas is is parents from out of state want to send their kids there. But the facilities over there are great. The coaches are great, um, and, and it's a good university. It's a good vibe, and you know, I, I see no reason why why man can't get them. You know as a national power that would be great to see. And, and uh, yeah, really proud of that squad. And hopefully they get to regional and, 
and make some noise and, and do something uh, positive for the city. Well, you mentioned the long list of names from this town, from old school before you played, with you and after you, and a UNLV alum that started the season on the opening day roster, and then he ended. he's back at AAA. But Bryson Stott it has a promising career. No doubt about it. Yeah, I, I, I met him I, when I got... When I got my number retired and got inducted into the, the UNLV Hall of Fame deal, um, he was there at that banquet, and he's a he's a great great human being, young man, and uh, you know obviously we went to the same alma mater. You always pull for those guys, and you know everything I've heard, um, the power potentials there. He plays a good shortstop, you know. Maybe he's gonna move to third or second, but uh, he's got big league written all over him, and and I wish him all the best. We wish you all the best, and we'll see you here in June. Thank you so much for the time, especially on short notice. Appreciate it, and uh, no worries, fella. congrats, congrats. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's it's quite the honor. It really is. Um, it, it, to be honest, it hasn't sunken in. Um, but uh, growing up in Vegas, living on the east side over by Sunrise Mountain, and then moving over to the west side, going to Durango, um, all my friends back home, and the support and. Just the memories of the coaches and friends, uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 incredible, and I'm looking forward to the night, and, and uh, I really appreciate the phone call, and I appreciate the congrats, and very thankful. So thank you, guys. Thanks, Ryan. We'll see you. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Y'all have a good day. There is Ryan Ludwig, longtime major leaguer, 12 years in the, the bigs, a war of 11, had a 37-homer year with the Cardinals, you know, towards the end of his career with the Reds, he had a resurgence, had a year with 26 at 80 at, you know, age 33, and... Good guy, good for UNLV baseball as well. Did you 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 seen when Koken and I talk old school Vegas? Did yeah. you see the smile on my face when he just started bringing up all the names? There's I so mean, many good ones. I mean, just the reminiscing of of and 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 no, and just flowing off the tongue. I mean, it just. Well, I also love that you come in. You mentioned someone that most of us haven't heard of before, right. having 16 RBI in a game, and then Ludwig goes right into the fact he's like. That guy, when he was younger, right. was just ridiculous. <laughs> like, you know, as a freaking whatever, Little League or 12, 13, 14. It's, uh, it's pretty nuts. And, yeah, baseball history here in Vegas is super rich. And, again, that induction ceremony at Dollar Loan Center, it's going down on June 17th. And I, I highly recommend it. Um, SNSHF.com. The ceremony is always a lot of fun. It's always star-studded. It's always for a good cause, and cause is. They have an auction. They'll have a ton of memorabilia there. It's a really good time, and now they found a more permanent home. And by the way, if you're listening out there, a lot of these people that are being inducted, these are the foundation as to why sports has grown in this town. So respect the fact that these people being inducted, that the board are well-respected. They know the athletes that have laid the foundation to why we have grown into the town we have. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So a lot going on around Las Vegas. UNLV baseball is going to be playing a series this weekend, LV Ballparks. So if you haven't seen Las Vegas Ballpark, good chance to get out there. You can buy a uh, three-game pass for a special rate at Ticketmaster.com. You can buy single-game tickets as well. Hawaii should be some Hawaii fans out there as well. So that's Friday through Sunday. The Aces, our WNBA team, open up on 
Friday, play again at home on Sunday. Friday's an away game. There'll be a viewing party with Q Myers from Raider Nation Radio 920. Parkway Tavern will be the spot. Flamingo, just west of 215. That's this Friday, 7 o'clock. Q will be there a little bit early, and we're going to do a bunch of viewing parties in June and July for the Aces at various I might have to make Parkway Tavern locations. I might have to make an appearance for Friday. Uh, well, hopefully they're road games, and hopefully you can you can be hosting some of them because I you know you're you're about as big as it gets in town, you know, media wise, covering the aces. So weight get you get you involved there. No, not weight wise. <laughs> no, you're you're very big on ladies basketball. You're good. I love I love women's basketball. I really do. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Does anyone like A's baseball in the Bay Area? Who? Yeah, uh, A's today. There's more today. people in the studio than there is at those games. Yeah, you know, I was talking about betting. Against the Reds, um, I'm interested in betting against the A's because I think they've gotten off to a little bit of a phony start in a positive way, and they were playing a good Rays organization today. They got shut out. They lost 3-0. Um, 4,000, let me get this right. It's very important to count every single person who's going to these A's games. What was the number? 4,438, 44-38, which was better than the day before which was 28-15, which was also better than Monday, which was in the high 2400s. Major League Baseball games, a three-game series in Oakland, just pulled in 10,141 fans. In the Coliseum. Bobby Manfred, what is going on here? This is ridiculous. The town is fed up with them. Yep. It's, I mean, there's it's no, like there's no, the, way, it, to, there's no other Willie, way to put it. It's like the A's wanted this to happen. It feels like it, doesn't it? It's kind of like the Reds say, well. Yeah. Where else are you going to go? Else? Not to baseball. <laughs> Not to baseball. So enjoy. No fans. We're going to drive across the bridge. And we're the, go to the Warriors game. The arrogance beyond belief in both situations. Yeah. And then, and then they will complain. Can I say the B word? No. They will... If they come to Las Vegas, they will fans. Whine. Fans, yeah, you're gonna get on the fans for not showing up for the A's games. The, the no, no, no. What I'm saying is the fans there, yeah. will complain if they leave, if they bolt. I don't know that many will. You think they're just done? They'll have yeah, no. I think proteins. they've. I think they've been. I think they've been driven into submission. No protein. Where they're like, yeah, you're moving anyway. You're gonna put this. On the field. And again, I don't want to be just disrespectful because a lot of the guys who play for the Aviators, it's not the players' fault. No. But, it, you know, it's they're, they're, they have some good major leaguers. They yeah. have other guys who want to be major leaguers. Sure. And, you know, that's a problem around all of baseball. You got about five or six markets where you look up and you're like, my God, who's playing for the Pirates right now? This Reds team. I wonder how much I the mean, surrounding areas, and, and as it's grown, the Silicon Valley, the you know the Sacramento's, the San Jose's, the Frisco's. I mean, Golden State goes across the bridge. You know what I mean? Just uh, how much that's played a part in leading to the detriment of, of Oakland being a pro town. Yeah, it really sucks, too, because the facility they have, you know, on the planning sheets, whatever, blueprints, if I can speak yeah. English, um, it looks great. And it would, it would be a nice revitalization of the area, but... They got to get it done. I just don't understand how they're doing any favors in the court of public opinion, also with the city council in Oakland, 
by you know having a less than stellar team trading away a bunch of their stars and then their president's out there kind of shacked in a fool on social media. Stick your hand in there, dude. Uh, boxing from this last weekend, you you saw a bunch of it. I was dead wrong. Shakur Stevenson? I had Oscar Valdez. Why? Challenge. Uh, because I watched him beat up Burchalt. I, I, I was a little sour on what Stevenson did in a fight that I covered. Sam Gordon and I talked about it, and Sam was right, and I was wrong, and I texted him after the fight, and I said, you were right. I was wrong. I, I always admit, if I, if I, I mean, I, I have no problem with that. Um, it's, it was just something, I mean, and here's the thing. Valdez, with this sweeping overhand left, missed, got in a vulnerable position, and Steven took, it, took advantage, and he really took Valdez out of his confidence game, and Stevenson took over, and he displayed his boxing skill. But I was more impressed with Nico Ali Walsh with an incredible knockout punch, Great start for that kid in his home debut. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So we talked to Savon Scarver earlier in yep. the show, undrafted free agent. We're going to get a lot of the uh, the draft picks from Vegas on here in the next couple of months. Yep. Uh, some really good stories out there. I you know I was raving on Monday about uh, Bellinger, the Giants pick. Really would never got to showcase his skills at tight end because San Diego State can't throw the ball. And then Bubba Bolden probably should have been drafted, but good spot to go to. They like big defensive backs, right? And he's going to be a guy that's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder and prove himself. So I, will, I would expect to see him land, if not there, somewhere.